Hello, friends. I'm Matt Baum, and thanks for subscribing to the Defining Marriage podcast. If you've been listening so far, every week you've heard me read one chapter of my book, Defining Marriage, Voices from a 40-Year Labor of Love. You can get the entire audiobook complete and unabridged in the first 18 episodes of this podcast. Or you can pop over to Amazon and get Defining Marriage as a digital download, and now in paperback and audiobook. For the last few episodes, I've been revisiting the marriage work that I've done as a reporter and an activist over the last decade. The work on marriage equality is pretty much wrapped up in this country, but every now and then, anti-gay activists manage to find their way into the news by trying to roll back progress and stop LGBTs from getting married. So what are their chances of success? Well, let's talk about it. I'm joined this week by a very special guest. Hello, James. Miss back. Oh, it's you. Hello. Um, you know, we never actually said, I, I, at least I don't think, on uh, the first few episodes of this podcast, exactly who you are. Did, did we ever have a proper introduction? We did not. So what better time to introduce me than, what, like seven or eight episodes after the official end of, of the book? Yes. Now at last it can be revealed. Like the unknown comic. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, the way I describe you as my partner, I think that's how you describe me, except you, you, you seldom have an opportunity to. I could be the unknown lover. <laughs> the unknown lover? Can, you know, for a long time, I've been wanting us to be lovers. I've been wanting to refer to us <laughs> as lovers. Um, will that ever happen? Will we ever use those words to describe ourselves? I'm your phantom of the boudoir. <laughs> that is amazing. Of all that, like, partner, or my husband, or my civil union, or all the different words that LGBTs use to describe their partners, uh, phantom of the boudoir. I think that sums you up. <laughs> Because it's often that you're kind of, like, floating about the house under a blanket. That is true. It gets cold. (laughs) It is here in gloomy Seattle. Anyway, what are we here to talk about this week? Oh, so many things. Starting with, uh, I was reading on on the internets about this thing that happened in Tennessee. Apparently, the state legislature was trying to roll back marriage equality. Yes, this is something that's been happening in a handful of states, uh, mostly Southern, mostly Republican-dominated. So what happened in Tennessee last week? was there was one lawmaker uh his name was uh something kirk something i I don't know if it was captain the kirk Kirk. yeah it was the kirk it's one of those episodes where he travels back in time and has to avert something (laughs) in order to save the future i don't know maybe maybe in the future gay marriage will lead to some sort of uh, (laughs) global catastrophe you're literally making the anti-gay marriage argument i am am. but this is how far-fetched the argument has to be Uh. (laughs) it's it's uh, someone from the future has, has come to us with a dire warning um, so the thing that happened was this legislature, leg, legislator Kirk from a town called uh, Americana, uh, yeah, I know, uh, had a proposed bill that would have said um, a variety of things. But in its final form, as far as we can make out, uh, the bill would have said that nonprofits, charities, uh, ha- cannot be punished by the government for discriminating against LGBT uh, couples. So if a, for example, an adoption agency or a food bank or a homeless shelter, uh, had a policy that was like, we're going to turn you away because you are married to someone of the same gender, then the government couldn't intervene and say, no, 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 you can't do that. There was also a lot of confusion about what exactly this bill would do. Um, 
because earlier versions applied to government employees. So government employees could turn away uh, queer people, um, that which would mean that uh, potentially queer people just wouldn't be able to obtain a marriage license. Uh, there were other versions that say it would apply to businesses. Um, and, you know, there are lots of different convoluted directions that this bill was going in its various iterations. But uh, the thing that was finally voted down last week uh, applied to nonprofits. How is this an anti-marriage bill? So it says that a nonprofit cannot be punished by the government uh, for comporting themselves in accordance with the belief that it is immoral for couples, for same-sex couples to marry. So this kind of thing's been tried before with just any commercial business. Why did this one just relate to nonprofits? It was a little broader earlier, and then there were objections about the legality of this law, and so it was tweaked and finessed, and there were a lot of different versions of it, and this is where it ended up. There is also another bill in Tennessee that would apply to businesses. This is one of four Tennessee bills in this session that would in some way make life unpleasant for queer married couples. Is this at all similar to that law in Indiana that passed a few months ago? Yeah, it's pretty similar um, in that they both uh, were designed to make life unpleasant for same-sex couples. Uh, The one in Indiana uh, said that businesses could turn away uh, customers for being queer. They could discriminate against people for being queer, uh, for being married to someone of the same gender. Uh, And the the Tennessee one similarly applied to nonprofits. So it's a little bit narrower, but the same basic idea. What kind of case was Captain Kirk and his crew making to try to sell this idea to the public? Religious freedom. That we should all be allowed to comport ourselves uh, according to the tenets of our religion, and that um, they have just recently discovered, I suppose the argument is, that the Bible commands them uh, not to do business with queer couples. Is that legal? On one side, uh, you can make the argument that, yeah, well, the First Amendment requires that people be allowed to practice their religious beliefs. Uh, In fact, a lot of these um, laws that anti-gay legislators are trying to pass, they're passing with the name First Amendment Defense Act or some variation. And so, you know, it's hard to disagree with that sentiment that um, people are entitled to religious freedom. And if their religion says, uh, turn away gay couples from your soup kitchen, um, well, I guess that's your religion. On the other hand, um, we have some established case law in this country that says you can't target a suspect class like people with a particular sexual orientation. Uh, You can't target a suspect class with a law. Um, That's just, you know, according to it's the Romer v. Evans case from the 90s that says if you have a law that says we're only going to target um, women for mistreatment, we're only going to target people uh, who are African-American for mistreatment or gay people for mistreatment. Uh, That's not okay. The Supreme Court said that's not okay. Could they get cute with any kind of weasel words like, well, they're not targeting gay people. They're just targeting people of the same sex who chose to get married. So it's not against the class. It's against a particular action. Yes, they could try that. Um, And that's a real risk. I personally don't think that would be successful. I think a judge would see through that and a judge would be like, uh, that's a weaselly proposition. And, you know, the effect of that is exactly the same. And it's clear what your intent is. But we'd have to hope that the judge who sees that case is smart enough to understand that and also is not just looking for an excuse to do something terrible to gay people. Because a judge could easily say, uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense, uh, if they have some anti-gay agenda. Sure. I mean, during the struggle for equality, wasn't one of the arguments that was successful for a while the idea that uh, 
anyone can get married. Uh, gay people are free to marry someone of the opposite sex. Yeah, for sure. I think that could happen. Um, I think that a judge could easily say, um, oh, yeah, these uh, laws that prevent gay people from marrying uh, apply equally to gay people and straight people. So there's no discrimination here. I mean, in the 60s, that was debunked uh, in the case of interracial marriage. That, that was the same argument that bans on interracial marriage are perfectly constitutional because uh, white people are free to marry other white people and black people are free to marry other black people. And the law applies equally to white people and black people, uh, which is obviously nonsense because the effect is still discrimination. You're still being discriminated against on the basis of who you chose to marry. So even though judges have generally, the tide is turned and they're, they're seeing that that argument doesn't actually make sense because the effect is still discriminated against LGBT people. There's always a risk that we could run into a judge who really has it out for, for LGBTs, like the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of Alabama. I mean, J Judge Roy Moore can be elected to one of the highest offices in the state, uh, the highest judicial office in the, in the state. Then uh, I think it's pretty likely that there could be some little local judge that would have exactly the same ideology. Who is Roy Moore? Oh, he's that very fun judge in Alabama who uh, was like, I know better than the U.S. Supreme Court. Local clerks don't issue any marriage licenses. I know the Supreme Court has said that you have to, but you, should, you need to listen to me. Uh, he's an elected judge in Alabama. They elect their Supreme Court judges. And so Alabama's stuck with this guy who uh, is telling clerks to defy the Supreme Court. He's also he's the judge who got uh, thrown out of office for insisting on this v improper display of uh, government endorsement of the, of the Ten Commandments. Like the you know, U.S. government is, is or the Alabama state government is, is <laughs> commandeering the Ten Commandments to display them on the lawn. He was Charlton told to Heston knock movie? Yeah, exactly. He, I think he sees himself as sort of a Charlton Heston. I mean, they're both in robes. So what happened with this law in Tennessee? So it was really shady. So on Wednesday, he said that he was going to be introducing this law in his daily uh, prayer in front of the Senate. Uh, then he waited until the end of the day on Thursday to actually introduce it, when most of the legislators had gone home. Uh, and so there was a small press conference, and there were some reporters there, and one of them wanted to take a picture of the law, because he wouldn't actually show reporters what the law was. He was just holding the piece of paper, but wouldn't let him see it. Uh, one reporter was like, can we take a picture of it? And he's like, no. So, uh, okay. He also, while he was, like, walking around trying to get his colleagues to sign on to the law, he kept, like, bothering the reporters to be like, you're not recording, right? You're not recording. He'd like, to make sure that nothing was being documented. So I think he knew that this was uh, not going to be a popular measure. So it got voted on, and it got voted down. Uh, so it is dead in committee. Um, so it's gone for now, but there's three other bills in Tennessee. There's 20-ish other bills around the country that are kind of similar. Um, and he could try to gut and amend some other bill that would essentially do the same thing. So we're definitely not out of the woods. Why did it get voted down? A bunch of reasons. Uh, I think one of them is uh, that people saw that there were serious consequences to this bill. This bill was so egregiously uh, uh, discriminatory that there was a real risk that the federal government could uh, say, well, you're in violation of federal law and we're withholding federal funding, which would have cost the state of Tennessee $8 billion with a B. Heavens to Betsy. Yeah. Uh, well, are there any laws like this uh, elsewhere in the country currently in the works? Nothing exactly like this, but there are a lot of similar laws. Um, there is at least 20-ish, uh, and it's hard to get a good count because um, often these laws are disguised in some way that makes them seem legitimate or reasonable. Um, but yeah, as, as, that we know of, there are around 20 or so, um, mostly in southern states, mostly introduced by Republicans. 
Um, that would in some way make life unpleasant for queer couples, either through government discrimination or private discrimination or nonprofit discrimination or some measure thereof. You said mostly introduced by Republicans. Are there any that are introduced by Democrats? Not to my knowledge, but I was hedging my words there because uh, I haven't looked at every single one. It's possible, but so unlikely. I mean, the party platform is in favor of marriage equality. So it is really hard to imagine that any Democrats would introduce this. It's possible they might sign on to one. um, Because there are some Southern Democrats who are still openly not on board with marriage equality. Few, but they're out there. But um, it would not surprise me if all of these were introduced by Republicans. All of the ones that I've seen have been introduced by Republicans. It seems like Captain Kirk's Corbomite maneuver has failed, uh, but are there any variations on uh, that kind of law that might be successful elsewhere? Uh, yeah, it, there are a lot of states that have uh, laws that are similar, that, you know, in a lot of places it's legal to discriminate in, in public accommodations or in housing or in employment. Uh, so I would not be surprised if some of these laws actually successfully pass this session. Uh, and then we'll have a lot of work to do in undoing them over the next, it could take years. Uh, and in the meantime, people you know, losing their jobs. Uh, if something specifically addresses marriage, it's possible that marriage could be held up in some sort of legal limbo for a long time. Uh, so we're still in a lot of danger from this kind of stuff. I would like to see the chief justices forced to do a legal limbo. <laughs> that it's very rare. I don't know what the Latin term for that is. Uh, I guess, is limbo itself Latin? Well, let's assume that it is. Yes. So these bills are often presented as First Amendment defense acts, right? Yes. So the First Amendment forbids interference with the free exercise of religion, but doesn't it also protect you from religion or from government religion? Yes, yes. There's an establishment clause in there. Uh, uh, Boy, oh boy, Judge Roy Moore does not care for that. Yeah, it says that the government can't establish a religion. And uh, forcing people to comport themselves in accordance with the religion to which they do not belong, uh, you can't do that. Nevertheless, a lot of people have tried, and a lot of people continue to try, and they may be successful. It seems like the way these laws are written, they're not saying that anyone has to condemn marriage equality. It just gives them the option to condemn marriage equality and not to serve uh, couples that are married. But hasn't this kind of wording bitten conservatives in the bum-bum before when, like, the Church of Satan gets involved and Mm. demonstrates that when you leave it open that everyone's religious beliefs have to be respected equally, blah, 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 um, that, uh, you know, that means you can get a statue of Baphomet on the, on the court lawn. Yeah, in the long run, that could be what we wind up with here, uh, that these laws, um, you know, are, are kind of sneaky backdoor uh, implementations of religious doctrine, because that's clearly what they're motivated by. Uh, Captain Kirk in Alabama is a former Baptist minister. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a, a clever, sneaky way of codifying religious doctrine into law. Uh, but as soon as, you know, if he gets away with it, then some other religion's going to come along and say, hey, what about us? So uh, who knows what we could wind up with in this situation? Uh, it could be gays getting harassed because they got married, uh, getting harassed by a nonprofit, uh, and then also a statue of Baphomet sitting on the lawn, and then everybody's unhappy about something. Hooray! So has there been any other news out of religious organizations lately? My goodness, yes. Um, so you may not have heard, um, but the Episcopal Church is in a little bit of trouble. 
if you're not familiar, the Episcopal Church is the uh, American wing of the Anglican Church. The Anglican Church is the worldwide thing. And um, Episcopal Church in the U.S. and Canada are fairly progressive for LGBTs. Um, they have uh, a, an openly gay bishop, Gene Robinson. Uh, and earlier in 2015, uh, the U.S. Church uh, voted to allow gays to get married. Hooray! Uh, Canada's going to be voting on that later in 2016. Um, the Worldwide Communion did not particularly care for that, uh, and so they voted uh, two weeks ago to um, essentially punish the American uh, the Episcopal Church uh, by taking away the church's voting rights and um, some ability to represent the church uh, internationally. You know, essentially, this is a, a three-year probation uh, saying, now, you better not be nice to gays in these three years, or else there's going to be more trouble. Uh, and to their credit, Episcopal Church has said, uh, no, we're going to keep uh, letting gay couples get married. So uh, who knows what's going to happen in three years? So I don't know very much about the organizational structure of the Anglican Church, but it, it did start as the Church of England, right? That is correct. Is it still based in England? Like, is that is that sort of... Uh where its power base is or is it more like decentralized you know something interesting that's happening is that um i would my impression from reading about this now i'm not episcopalian so and i'm not an expert here but uh my impression from reading about this is that uh england is where a lot of the official stuff happens but there is a lot of sway being held by conservative countries uh in developing parts of the world um and these countries tend to be more conservative particularly on lgbt issues so a lot of the criticism for the american uh church uh has come from uh africa and south america that's not to say that there's not criticism coming from everywhere but um that is one particular source of conflict here okay because i was going to ask given that england has had marriage equality for a while now that's true but um england uh unfortunately uh anglicans have not been super great about this the archbishop of canterbury uh had some unpleasant things to say about lgbts so um like most large religious organizations, the Anglican Church is very slow to turn. Uh, I, I don't know why exactly the American and Canadian um, wings are a little bit more nimble, but there's this big conflict brewing, and it's been brewing for over a decade. Uh, it was back in, I think, 2002 or three that churches here in the U.S. and Canada started nominating uh, openly gay bishops. I mean, so this has been going on for a while. And even back then, uh, the Anglican leadership was like, oh, no, please don't do that. Uh, to the point where the Canadian uh, guy who's nominated uh, withdrew his, his, his um, candidacy. Um, the American one didn't. Uh, and then that's why, how we wound up with Gene Robinson, who's a lovely man. But yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, like the, like the Catholic Church. Um, the Anglican communion has uh, been very gradual in their adjustment uh so we've got three years until the next big meeting uh and maybe they'll come around in the next three years but if not we're looking at a potentially a global schism in this church over this issue does the archbishop of canterbury remember how the church of england got started <laughs> um i i'm hopefully someone will tell him in a very discreet gentle way that i don't want them to break it to him too difficult yeah that marriage traditions uh sometimes need to change yes yeah that maybe maybe there's, there's time for rethinking or maybe he's like yeah yeah i know i know but this time we really got it right i'm really sure that this time this is the one this is the right way to do it well what we need is a gay king yeah we may get one we may get one who knows didn't they just long live the gay king <laughs> king of the gays and the queen well on the subject of uh Catholicism. This Pope Francis, he's uh, he's a real progressive guy, right? Wah, it- wah. <laughs> uh, 
so he is comparatively progressive compared to uh, Emperor Pope Palpatine. Yeah, uh, a lot of people liked him uh, until he started talking about gay marriage, and now it's he, he doesn't seem so great anymore. Uh, so Italy is about to vote on a civil unions bill, and the Pope doesn't care for that. Uh, the Pope said that gay families go against God. Uh, so that's not so nice. Uh, there's a big rally happening in a few days in Italy, in Rome, to, to protest against this civil unions bill. I, I haven't been able to determine exactly how far this bill would go, uh, whether it would be full marriage equality or just something limited. It would allow for adoption by same-sex couples, but anti-gay legislators are trying to derail it in Italy. Uh, one of them, there have been over a thousand amendments proposed. So you said in response to the civil unions bill, the Pope said that gay families go against God. Why is it not great for people across the world when the Pope is saying that uh, certain families are going against God? Why is that not great? Yeah, like what? what is the fallout from that? Because I mean, it seems like, oh, it's... It, it, Obviously, that's the church's position. So he's just articulating the church's position. But when you describe someone as against God, uh, what effect does that have? Well, gee whiz. Um, Let's just say, uh, hypothetically, that you were part of a same-sex household. How would it make you feel? I mean, maybe not. Maybe you're not a great example oh, because you don't care shit. what the Pope yeah. says. Um, sure, sure. Uh, okay. Well, there's a lot of negative outcomes there. Um, let's say that you were friends with someone who was Roman Catholic. Uh, the next time you guys get together for I don't know game night, uh, do you think they might look at you a bit askance over the poker table? I think that's a very real but minor effect. Uh, I mean, if you are dividing people into camps, those who are with God and those who are against God. And you're also spreading an ideology that those who are with God are righteous and those who are against God are not. Uh, You're creating two classes of people. And that kind of thinking, when it comes from an authority, uh, perhaps the highest authority, the authority whose hat is an antenna to God, I know that's not how it works, could in the minds of some, I think, perhaps, motivate them to think that they are taking actions on behalf of God, as their authority has laid out the terms, that are harmful to those who are against God. Yeah, sure. I mean, looking askance at somebody across the table is one thing, but uh, my concern here is that saying things like this gives people what they would consider permission for acts of violence. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, I know Christian denominations are always very quick to throw out the, oh, no, 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 we, we love the sinner, we hate the sin. But sometimes that principle doesn't seem to guide their actions. Yeah, and I would say that hating something that is a immutable trait of a person is itself an act of violence. Yes. Well, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to talk about candy. Um, <laughs> is there any good news this week? Yes, there is. Have you seen the delightful commercial for, what are they called, message hearts? You know, those little hearts that you give out at Valentine's Day that have the little words printed on them? The ones that say, like, screw you, and... Those are the ones, yeah. but not the Simpsons ones, the oh. actual ones that you can buy at the store. Was that a Simpsons heart? I think it was. I think there like, wasn't there one where Bart was, like, painting mean messages on the hearts or something? Oh, let's hope so. That sounds familiar. <laughs> or was that you? Were you the one who was doing that? <laughs> you were the Bart Simpson of my life. You're the Bart Simpson of my heart. Isn't that r- romantic? That's what I'm going to put in your valentine. Eat my shorts. <laughs> What are we talking about? Yes, there, there's, so there's a commercial for those little candy hearts uh, that featured an adorable elderly gay couple. Um, they've been together for 55 years, and this is the first Valentine's Day that they will spend together 
married. And it's very sweet. They talk about how they met, how they fell in love, and they hold hands. And uh, one of them was uh, selling costume jewelry, but the other one thought that he was rich because he thought he was selling diamonds. It's so sweet. And it's an ad for candy, uh, like a mainstream thing. This isn't like, you know, back in the days when, you know, Subaru had ads for with lesbians, but it was only in like the pages of, of lesbian magazines. Uh, <laughs> like cat fancy? <laughs> cat fancy. How dare you? You know, so this is a mainstream company, mainstream ad, uh, got two uh, gay dudes holding hands and talking very sweetly. And it's just the loveliest thing. I I ask people to send me stories about how they met the the person or people they love. And I've been getting some really lovely messages from folks who, oh gosh, I think my favorite one might be uh, this one guy who had an earache. This is so weird. He had an earache and he heard that there was a folk remedy for curing an earache, uh, blowing cigarette smoke into your ear. And so he saw a cute boy smoking a cigarette and asked him to blow smoke into his ear and 15 years later they're still together isn't that bizarre but i love it are you sure they didn't just meet at the eagle and that's their cover story (laughs) story smoke was certainly exchanged but (laughs) oh dear it's possible it's possible there was just this scandal on on humans of new york the blog about like the photos of people in new york uh this this couple that told a story about um meeting over like one of them was eating cookie dough he said at at a gay bar and and that's how they met like sharing cookie dough and um there's a scandal of people like i don't think that's true i think that's a metaphor for drugs so who knows i want to believe this cute story about and he said it was a clove cigarette and that they met in 1998 which you know i think clove cigarettes are the official cigarette of 1998 but you know i want to believe that this that this adorable and bizarre story is actually true let me believe james let me have this story that will be my valentine's gift to you thank you is it really? If that's your Valentine's <laughs> gift to me, I expect more. At least get me a box of candy. I can get you a box of Necco wafers. That's fine. I like a Necco wafer. To support the Necco company for supporting these guys. We used to live not far from the Necco smokestacks in, in Massachusetts. Yeah, they don't smell good. <laughs> I think they do. And and the candy is not great. Necco wafers have that uh, like purpley one. Yeah, that dark yeah, yeah. purple one that's awful. Well, they're uh, made. The rest you know, chalk. There's, there's. Well, that's true. There's a room like it's an enclosed room where they just clap erasers, and then the dust from the erasers condensed and pressed into these wafers. That's not true, Necco Company. Please don't sue me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I like Necco wafers so much. I just do. When I was a kid, I think Necco made this thing called a Sky Bar, and uh, it was. A chocolate bar divided into four sections, and each section had a different filling. Three of them were really good, and much like that like dark purple wafer, there was one section that was just a poison pill. Oh, well, I'm sorry you've had this traumatic experience. Let us let let our Valentine's Day be only three quarters of a sky bar, and that it will be delicious, and no one will be poisoned or sent to jail. That's my Valentine's gift to you. And it'll include four humps. <laughs> what? It was like a, a camel? four-humped camel. Oh. It, it was a four-humped candy bar. Sure, it was a four-humped camel. There's something wrong with that camel. <laughs> it's from Chernobyl. It's a radioactive camel. <laughs> well, listeners, uh, if you have any four-humped camels in your life, I wish them the best of the best of Valentines. <laughs> what? <laughs> no. If you're planning to get engaged to your four-humped camel... <laughs> Well, listeners, if you have four humps in your future, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to get in touch and tell me about it. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) I think that's fine. 
Well, listeners, I, I wish you all the best of luck with your humps. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, please do get in touch. Let me know your thoughts and your questions on Twitter. I'm at Matt Baum. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. Those reviews make a huge difference, and they really brighten my day. So thank you for everyone who's left a review. Uh, and don't forget to hop over to Amazon, get to Finding Marriage in print or via download. Uh, and if you do pick up a copy, it would mean a lot if you could leave an Amazon review with your honest opinion. Uh, and you can check out my other podcast, The Sewers of Paris, for revealing personal stories about entertainment that changed the lives of gay men. Uh, the theme song for the show is in Your Arms by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed uh, by Creative Commons 3.0. And until next time, friends, by the power vested in me by the internet, I now pronounce this podcast over. Howard. I always have a kiss at the end of the episode, but now it will be a real kiss. My phone is asleep. <laughs>